Hello, yep. Acaville Radio. Welcome to another episode of Acapella. It's a podcast for the acapella community where we examine the culture as well as the ins and outs of vocal music, along with the people who are working to shape it. I'm one of your hosts, Brian Alexander, and joining me, as always, is... Alicia Edwards. Alicia, how's it going? Pretty good. I happen to have a three-day weekend because we have a state holiday tomorrow, what? and since I work for a government agency, we're closed. So Ooh, Okay, what, what's the holiday? I'm, I'm like losing track of it. Well, I'm, I live yeah. in Utah, and it's Pioneer Day. <laughs> Oh, okay. I, I'm familiar with that. Okay. Yes. Nice. I'm jealous. We don't get Pioneer Day here in Texas. Well, and I had, I had my coworkers who were like, you get to sleep in tomorrow. And I'm like, no, I don't because I will be watching my eight-year-old nephew and nine-year-old niece all weekend because they're in town and my sister and her husband are not. So if that doesn't sound like a day off, I don't know what does, you know? Well, I, and I, I love these kids. They're, that makes like, it better. And they're easier. the first two that I got to call a niece and nephew. So they're, oh, okay. they're great. And, and I'm the favorites. So. Okay, I was about to ask, are, are, are they your favorites? Cause that's what kind no, of no. I'm picking. I can't say that one way or another, what? but I am the favorite aunt. Okay. Yeah. I, I was getting like eye messages from from my niece because she has a macbook pro and she's like okay so i'm half korean every all of our listeners if you didn't know that already now you do and a couple of my nieces and a couple of my nephews they call me emo which is korean for aunt and my niece was messaging okay. me and she was like emo i can't wait to come back to your house and i'm like oh it was really cute because they've been staying at my sister's house who lives about half an hour away so. Oh man, it sounds like you're just having tons of fun over there. I will be. I'm having fun right now. That sounded awful. Okay, I was about to say, hey, <laughs> hey, we're, we're kind of cool and fun what we're we doing are, here. We are having fun, Brian. You're like one of my closest friends. Uh, okay, that didn't sound forced at all, but okay. Aw, no, it wasn't forced. It was being very genuine. <laughs> if I didn't think that, I would not have said anything. Oh, okay. Okay. I would have just been like, I I'll okay, go with that. okay, Brian. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Okay. So, Alicia, yeah, I, I'm I, really we're getting at the same thing here. So, we, same. we had... We've had some really, really good guests, and mm -hmm. I kid you not, I was completely blown away when I watched our guests today, the group that we're interviewing today. The first video that I watched of theirs, I was like, holy cow, this is like way beyond any level I ever expected to hear. So my question is, what was the first video that you saw? I think it was the Kelly Clarkson cover. Ooh, okay. It was I, I Don't Think, think about, about You. you. Okay. It was uh, so, so good. We have all this teasing going on. We really need yes. to introduce our guests. You know, we need to stop leaving them hanging here. So joining us today, we have members from the New York City-based contemporary acapella group, Black to Gold. We are speaking with Andrew Orsi and Connor Martin. How are you all doing today? I'm doing, doing fantastic. Yeah, I lost a sock in the laundry, so it's not a great day, but you know, like we, we're fine. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's not a, a way I mean, to start a day. I don't know what it well, is. Well, let's be real. Who hasn't lost a sock in the Correct. laundry? Correct. Exactly. Uh, so it's, I feel like everyone can empathize with that. Oh yeah, it, it's in that vortex, you know, where all the the one lone sock. Hundred percent, the black hole that is just universally yep. all laundry machines are connected to it. Yep, that's it. Exactly. I have we, a bag full of mismatched socks. Yeah. Just waiting for the socks to somehow appear yep. again. I can't live like that. I'm like, what do you do with a bag of just like lone socks? It just sits in a drawer until I find another sock that doesn't have a match, and then I pull it out, and I'm like, oh, I found your partner, friend, whatever. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm really awkward today, especially, so I apologize to all of you and our listeners. It's, it's all right. You're forgiven. So we are so happy to have you guys on the show. Um, as Alicia was alluding to, we've been digesting so much of y'all's content and music, and man, are we impressed with everything we've been seeing. And before we get started, we should also mention that there are six members of black to go but we're speaking with two of y'all. So I'm going to give a quick shout out to the other four that couldn't be with us here today. We also have, in terms of the members of black to go Courtney Lee Cox, Leah Petralia, Stephanie Sombrano, and Alden Knowles. 
So we want to give a shout out to those guys. Like I said, man, wish I could have you guys on, but we are so happy to have both Andrew and Connor today. So I want to jump right into it here because, man, you guys have been doing some impressive things in terms of the music that you've been putting out, in terms of the Aka Open, in terms of everything. So just to kind of get this as a starting off point, you know, how did Black to Gold come to be and how did both of you find your way to the group? I just have to point out before you answer this question that, Brian, I have never heard you use Aka something before and you just said Aka Open. Oh, you're in. So. You're in the cult oh, now. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm like, I, I have to call that out because that bad. was... You didn't even notice. It no, was amazing. I'm working on the the original, you know, days of the the open. I think they just call it the open now, but you know me, mm-hmm. I'm just everything. It's still hashtag Aka Open. It still oh, is, is it there. on oh, like Twitter okay. and stuff. I don't, right, but they right. call it the open. Yeah. Okay, I'm forgiven then. So Black to Gold started out as a kind of a post collegiate group of everybody in the group was from Hofstra University, which is a school on Long Island, New York. And every single member that was in that group was in acapella there. And we started in, I guess I was, what, April of 2019. And we formed to do the Open that year. And we did the Open almost exactly two years ago. But only three of those members from the original lineup are still in the group, me, Courtney, and Leah. And Andrew and Alden were actually in the audience for that Open performance two years ago watching us. Little did they know, they get sucked in. (laughs) And then, yeah, I I think we kind of started out just as a continuous of our love for college acapella and like my career is working with acapella groups and producing groups so it just seemed like something I really wanted to do but over the years once we started losing members the, the members that we started getting in exchange for no the new members that were coming in instead of uh, the old members they've all had such a higher level of musicianship and dedication and they have a lot more acapella performing experience groups have gone to finals for college ICCA stuff Andrew's been performing in New York for almost a decade now. Yeah, I'm really um, old. Which is, yeah. Yeah, and then I think... We don't, we don't talk about age on this show. <laughs> Judgment-free. Judgment-free zone. Yeah. And then, yeah, since COVID happened, we started out COVID with just four of us, me, Andrew, Courtney, and Leah. And then it kind of was a blessing in disguise for us specifically because... Some members that may have been off doing other things, like Stephanie, she was going to be at a musical theater festival last summer and just it was canceled. So she was like, I kind of love Black to Gold and let's see what they're up to. And then, yeah, it's been an amazing year of creating content and growing. We've done so much growth, especially the last like six months, I'd say. Yeah. And Andrew, you can feel free to add after you join the group. Yeah. I mean, so like Connor said, I came to New York to pursue performance. So that was always sort of a thing. I was more of a theater major, but like I grew up in a musical household. And so I was sort of like, I'll just stick my hands in the theater and the music bucket and see where I find a door, you know? So I had been in another acapella group for about six years. I did not do college acapella because there was not an acapella group at the college I went to, but I'd always been interested in it. And I loved like harmonies and acapella singing and any of that kind of world. So I found kind of a, a semi-pro group, I guess I would say in New York, very much more for a lot of those people it's kind of a hobby so but I became the music director of that group and I've been working with them for about seven years now so they were kind of my first thing but I always sort of knew that like with acapella if I could find a group that was like more serious and wanted to really be pro and even like a smaller group like black to gold where you kind of have to take ownership of your individual part more that was going to be really satisfying for me in a lot of ways so 
I just basically started keeping my eyes open on like social media and all the things for any groups auditioning for stuff. And Black to Gold was like, we're looking for an alto or like maybe a tenor. And I was like, I'm maybe a tenor. Let's go. <laughs> exactly. And like, you definitely sound like a tenor in all the videos I've seen. Yeah, so. same here. Yeah. I would lean towards that. That's awesome. I'm just curious because, you know, New York is such a, a huge city. And you have, when you think of New York, you know, you're thinking of these, you know, large productions and you're thinking of these large groups, whether it be Broadway or, you know, maybe there's some other courses and things like that and I never stopped to think about you know group size and you know the different dynamics there but at all did it in terms of I guess Connor in terms of getting the group off the ground was it a point of emphasis or a desire to kind of keep it the black to gold smaller or was it just a matter of it that's how everything played out yeah I feel like the large group nature of my college acapella group i love them they're called the Hoffbeats. i was a music director and it was a lot of fun but also having that many people decisions were a lot harder to make there was a lot more group tension not tension that like was was always awful but i think with a smaller group with six people you're striving for perfect blend and more locked chords and when we started i just yeah i wanted to keep it small and still have the arrangements be not complex in a difficult way but still be very interesting and have everybody be on their parts um, they are complex in a difficult way though like let's just be clear <laughs> yeah well yeah. Spec- Connor does not arrange I- easy music <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. I okay, I'll yeah, I'll agree with you there. I, I think especially especially the first like five arrangements I did for Black to Gold coming out of collegiate arranging were very hard and like sometimes not in a good way. Like sometimes I had to change things because it was just stupid. But uh yeah, and I love the small group dynamic. It really is it makes it I don't know, it makes me feel it's super impressive when we can really sit down in a rehearsal, show up we haven't seen each other in three weeks and then we sing a song and it locks and it's like ah we're a small tight-knit group and it makes it more fun in my opinion yeah there's something about the way like harmonies kind of pop with a smaller group because you think of the larger groups and man they do a great job of like really filling out a sound and making everything sound full but when like a small trio or quartet does harmonies there's something magical about that and i've definitely been picking that up with a lot of the covers and the music that you all have been doing so well i just kind of want to piggyback a little bit off of you, Brian, as I segue Mm -hmm. to this next question. So you were talking about how big groups are really good at making the sound very full. I definitely noticed that with Black to Gold. So even just with the six members, I was blown away by the level of sound that I was hearing, not just in how full it sounded, but the balance was on point and the tone and the blend. And I can comfortably say from what I've heard, this is one of the most solid sounding groups I've ever heard. Oh, wow. um, great. I'm going to literally I'm, cry. I, I'm not just saying that because you guys are guests on the show. It was like in my face, blown away in a good way. And Black to Gold officially has only been around for a couple of years. So I know of other post-collegiate groups, and I'm not going to be shy about this, my own included, who have struggled to find their sound even after several years. So what has Black to Gold done to help shape the sound that, in my opinion, is near perfect? So I think the thing that I have learned over the last couple of years is that a lot of the group's sound starts at the arrangement and how well your arranger knows the voices in your group. And that's another thing about having six people. When you have a group of 15 people, you might have three sopranos and or four altos or whatever, whatever. With this group, I know Andrew, even though he is a tenor, he has a giant range. 
and I put it to work. And sometimes when you hear those really full sections, it's I've placed the notes on the staff right in the sweet spot for all the singers. And so when you have four singers hitting a note right in their belty sweet spot, it's like, whoa. And it took me a lot of time to to figure that out. And then we just honestly, we got lucky with Stephanie when she got in the group because Stephanie, Courtney, and, and Leah, we have a trio called Dust in the Wind by Kansas that is going to come oh, out like later. Song. It's, it's yeah, it's, I arranged it choir-esque and the three of them. Okay. It's like a spiritual yeah, experience, honestly. <laughs> it's crazy. Oh, yeah. They're going to hate us and, for talking it up this much, but yeah. Well, we, no, anyway, that's a great example of, I don't know how I as a music director and as the founder and like as their friends got so lucky and then andrew just slides right into that that mix for the four it's so fun and, and like to work on that for the group sound yeah yeah so i i'm curious as to whether or not you've run into any issues where your singers like they bring a different tone to the group with just their individual voice or if i mean andrew you come from a performance background i've known singers from musical theater or choral backgrounds where it's really hard for them to adjust that sound i'm yeah. just curious as to how you have managed that if you've even come across it you, you said you've been very lucky but i'm just curious yeah like connor's right it is 75 percent of our blend is his arrangements and his knowing of our voices and how to fill it out but there's also just like this might be a controversial take i don't know i <laughs> i don't think that just any group of people can get together and form a an acapella group that's going to gel up to like a high high level i mean any group of people can get together and sing and mm-hmm. make music and have fun but but if you really want to hit a certain exceptional level of blend and those kind of things, like it's really dependent on the specific voices in your group being able to work together. There's a lot of just luck here in the sense of like we managed to find voice. I I think even I have like a different, I don't have a typical pop tenor tone. I was trained classically like with an opera, which also Courtney was too. Oh, wow. Yep. So yep. we've got some very interesting sets of training, but my particular tenor tone and especially my falsetto fits in with our girls in a way that in other groups I've sung with, I haven't been able to fit in with female voices just having that sort of fortune of finding the right people that it just magically i know it magically it's just magic that's the answer (laughs) (laughs) i want to piggyback quick off that too like andrew mentioned that him and courtney both did opera in college alden our vocal percussionist did opera i sang i sang opera and stuff steph does musical theater and and leah on top of her pop like music her side music career with pop music she also did operatic lessons i actually think all of us having that training in the the rehearsal room or in lesson taught us how to use our voices in varying situations and then when we get into this group they just know what to choose when to choose it and it's like yeah it just happens to be extremely easy yeah yeah the difference with opera and musical theater training is like opera teaches you a lot more about vowels which makes an adjustment for pop stuff easier because it's like you know how to talk about vowels whereas like pursuing musical theater for 10 years but growing up in an acapella family. My parents literally met in barbershop groups. I mean, I was always familiar with locking vowels and matching and blending and like knew how that worked. So then sometimes in musical theater ensembles, I just leave sort of disappointed because Mm. they only know how to belt or they don't know how to match up a vibrato with other people. So it really is like, not saying that opera training is like perfect. Everyone go get opera training and you'll be able to do acapella. But (laughs) it definitely is a a set of skills that then if you can put them to work, lends itself to that more. So is that adaptability something you look for when you're conducting auditions? Yeah. And if so, how intense is it 
to try to get a gauge for that. So I think we when we held auditions for Steph last summer, because it was virtual and we were doing some virtual projects like box videos, you've, I'm sure you've seen a lot of groups do those. So what we kind of did was if they were interested in us, we'd say, hey, you know, we're auditioning. Why don't you sing this entire song, learn the entire arrangement, and then you're going to be the mezzo-soprano for this song. And then in some ways that was a little bit easier to hear who meshed well with us and who didn't because I could just put them into Pro Tools with the rest of the mix, send it to everybody and say, do you think that they blend well? Do you think that they use their own training to their advantage or not? And that kind of, when Steph did Levels, the box video for Levels, she wasn't even a member yet and she did that and it really impressed us. And then we kind of moved forward with the audition process as well with her. Meanwhile, Andrew's audition slash callback process was a little different. You want to explain? Yeah, I was just... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, now we have to hear it. It's a weird story in the sense of, so like we said, they were kind of looking for an out, like they were replacing an alto they had lost, but they were kind of like open to a tenor voice. So I already knew that they had had previously a girl in the spot that they were filling. And so I was a little bit like, all right, I got really got to prove myself. So once I got the call back after sending in just an initial, you know, video with like a solo and do your range and blah, blah, blah. They sent me a call back. And then I got four, I think it was four pages that you guys gave me of electricity, which is one of our songs that we've done a video of. One of the harder songs. One of the harder songs for sure. So they sent the first four pages and said, learn this. It's all our arrangements we handle on NoteFlight, which is an online source. So when they sent me the link to the NoteFlight to help me learn it, I mean, the whole thing was there and I was just like this song is a bop wow and I got way overexcited learned the entire 13 page <laughs> came into oh the callback gosh. and was like do you guys just want to like sing the whole song I could try it that was awesome <laughs> so it has that's, that's got to be a first right there I've never heard of someone I, doing that. I have never experienced that I mean we already loved Andrew from his audition but when he came in for the callback and did that like we were all floored and I actually I will admit I'm a very stubborn person to I'm stubborn to change <laughs> and so like when people brought up the prospect of like oh, well, maybe a tenor can fill the spot. Part of me was more like, well, the tenor would have to be really good because those parts, the range is crazy. And Ashley, who was the member who left, like had a really strong presence. And so that's why when Andrew came in and and did that, it was... Yeah, it, it proved me wrong, and it was amazing. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm finding out that, Andrew, you are a rare breed because not only are you a good tenor, like a really good tenor, apparently, <laughs> but you also are one of the few people I know that come to rehearsals or auditions or actually knowing their music ahead Yeah, of time, it's really, so. I mean, that's very uncommon. Hey. Speaking from every other group I've ever done, yeah. <laughs> but You picked the right time to pull that out. Kind of go back a, a little bit of comment that since earlier you guys were talking about, I guess, finding the right voices and figuring out your sound and things like that. Something, Andrew, you were discussing the the whole opera background and experience i i definitely understand that because i remember in a former group of mine we had a guy that come in he ended up being our music director for i guess the last two to two and a half years i was in my group and he had a jazz background which is completely different from everything else that i guess in terms of what everyone else brought to the table and we found that so valuable to have people that just come with that you know those varying backgrounds we also had a girl in our group who's a former guest of the show liz sosa she came in with a mariachi background as well so I see the benefit of having so many people with diverse tastes and backgrounds and experiences and characteristics and just shaping something. And it seemed like it's been playing out well for you all. So I'm like, that just seems like a blessing. One thing that I guess 
as we're talking about you all sound something that's been really cool and just to be able to experience and we're going to briefly touch on this before the commercial break but you all have been putting together this wonderful project called the cabin sessions and it's three incredible songs that in my opinion like they couldn't be more different from the next one but at the same time each one just like feels so personal feels so intimate and if you could like briefly just touch on this you know what was the inspiration behind going into a project and putting together something like that i think we kind of always wanted to do a live series even if it was just two or three videos in the same location when we actually road tripped upstate new york i actually forget where it was specifically Hancock, i think was was that it did i make that uh, town up? i don't did remember you, did you say Han- hancock, hancock is that what you said maybe I think so. I remember that. I think so. Either way, <laughs> doesn't really matter that much. But yeah, we've had a lot of arrangements for a long time, and and live video content is something that we do not have like at all because we only had the open back in 2019, and then that fall Andrew got in, and then the COVID hit. So I think right when we had that opportunity to do it, it was like yes. And then for the song choices, I think we just wanted to you know pick songs that we had fun doing and that we haven't already recorded or released. So Levels was the only exception, just because it's. It's, it's like one of our favorites to do. And I think doing it live has a different sparkle to it than doing it grid video. Like they have different, you know, I guess they have different characteristics. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm sure there's more about it. Actually, that's a great teaser that you mentioned there's more about it because we are going to explore more about the cabin sessions after this commercial break, which we do have to take. But that was a great segue. <laughs> Thank you. I'm, hey, Andrew said he's a, a great segue type of person. So I'm just trying to live <laughs> up to that hype here. Oh. Hey, guys, commercial coming. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> And you know what? That, that said it all. We got a commercial to take right here, so don't go anywhere. We've been speaking with the members of Black to Go. We're going to continue doing that right after this commercial. What's the Barbershop 7th Hour? It's the only place to find rare and unreleased barbershop music, along with favorites of today and yesterday. Jeremy Gover works Govertime to put each week's hour together, and they're amazing. Find the show every Thursday at 8 p.m. East, 5 p.m. West, and again Saturdays at 7 p.m. London Time, 11 a.m. West, and one more time Mondays at 12 noon Tokyo Time. That's Sunday night in the States. With ringing chords for days, you won't want to miss it. And welcome back to Talkapella. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That was the that was best amazing. one you've ever had for sure. I don't think I know the I Trills recorded a musical again. one, but we killed it. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that one. We've been speaking with the members of Black to Go, two of them actually. We've been speaking with Connor Martin as well as Andrew Orsi, based out of New York City. Uh, we've been having just a great time here. Just been a lot of laughter, a lot of fun, a lot of learning from them. And man, as you just heard right there, things are just keep continuing to get wild and crazy. Yeah, exactly. Right before the commercial break, we were speaking about their their recent project called The Cabin Sessions, which is a trio of live videos that they've put together. Just really a nice transition to that live performance aspect that they've kind of explored and done some cool stuff with. And I want to continue the conversation with that because there's one video in particular. They were all incredible, but there's one that stood out to me the most. And I hate to play favorites, but if you hooked me up to a lie detector, you'd find out that Get Well Soon just like that did a number on me that track was incredible those harmonies the bouncy groove the silky vocals they were something else so i'm first questioning whether that was actually live because that sounded it's so incredible Same. definitely <laughs> definitely live but but how many takes does something like that take it was a oh, lot right connor it was like yeah that was maybe our a 
faith-ish for that one. That definitely of the live sessions took the most attempts for us to collectively be like, and I'm not even sure, honestly, that there was a take that everyone was like, that was the one. Like with the other ones, we did like two or three and we would get to one that we were like, that was the killer. Like keep that. Versus Get Well Soon, there was always somebody who was like, I don't know. But then we actually listened back and we were pretty (laughs) pleased with how it sounded. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that song from a harmony perspective is one of the hardest in our rep. And we hadn't done it too much prior to the retreat and filming it. So yeah. And it's just like, it's long, it's dense with harmony. And there's a lot of separate sections that you need to memorize. Oh, crap that's coming next or oh that's next and whatever not to mention there's like runs where everybody does a run at the same time but i will agree with andrew that we as a group since we are such good musicians individually we all hold ourselves to such a high standard which is good and bad at times but in that's in that instance we just stopped and we're like i think that last one was the best one let's just relax let's like set you know set down all the gear have dinner and just relax and it ended up being fine i didn't have to do too much editing from you know a melodyne standpoint i didn't have to do much at all i just wanted to say i'm all that more impressed when you say you didn't actually run through that song or work on it very much before that because of how high I, I mean it was just I mean kind of our secret I feel like a lot of stuff that we've put out so far we actually haven't run a lot before we put it out which is like weird <laughs> to think about but like our song for the open before we recorded it we sang it all through together one time I think fully through what? and then laid it down yeah well that also, takes an immense amount of confidence right there yeah with hey. Get Well Seen specifically too that was one of the first arrangements I did for Black to Gold okay. yeah and we we never got it before COVID. Like, it never really locked. And then after Stephanie and, and Alden later joined, we were focusing on a lot of other music, a lot of different songs. And Get Well Soon was kind of always on the back burner as like, oh, that's the hard song. And then leading up to the retreat, I was like, I want to attempt this because it's going to be good. And rehearsing it was awesome. Filming it was a little stressful. But that's just because... I mean, we, we also, like just said, to set the stage, we literally had... We drove up on a Friday night for this retreat. We had Saturday, Sunday, and we left at like 5 a.m. on Monday. And in that whole day, we filmed the entire music video for the open and also these three cabin sessions videos. Wow. <laughs> On Saturday, Sunday. So we yeah. were like, you know, not over ambitious in any way, shape, or form at all. <laughs> I, don't I don't think that sounds like a very relaxing retreat. It wasn't the most. We had, I will say that, especially on Sunday night, like once we got the last thing done, a lot of drinking was had, a lot of drunk singing was had. <laughs> that Absolutely. was the like really let go moment. Yeah. And we actually, we threw together like a a 20 or a 15 minute vlog a 15 minute vlog that like we forgot to post i think we just we just never did but footage of connor being drunk and incoherent that's what? not true that's not true <laughs> release the tapes release it it's actually not true it was a lot more of like me being lovey-dovey and having a lot of drinks. he's a very so he's a very cuddly uh... sappy guy in general but also especially when he gets a couple <laughs> drinks in him then he will like he'll go on a speech a bit more. <laughs> well i was i was very proud of the group but anyway what i was trying to say was the the vlog like kind of shows it was a lot of work but we were all so into it i think we had never felt that connected as a group and connected to music as a group we haven't felt that as much since just because that was so isolated we have obviously done a couple performances and rehearsals and those are always fun but yeah so i'm curious as a group that does a lot it seems like that you all do quite a bit in terms of you know tracking and video production and things like that is it difficult to know when to call it on something because you guys are bringing up the retreat and you're talking about all the different projects you guys got done in one day is it hard to just know when to be like okay that's got to be it right there or you just one of those people just like oh somebody just call it for us 
was because I won't ever get to that point. I mean, I would almost say it's a little bit of both in the sense of like, we individually will always say that we can do better. I feel like there is just this constant, like way too high standard that we all have for ourselves where it's like, okay, we're already operating at a very high level most of the time, but we don't acknowledge that for ourselves. We're like, oh, I messed up one note out of 280. We got to do another take. Like it's that kind of thing. (laughs) It's always good if we can sort of give that a little bit to each other. I think there's more, you know, supporting each other and like, no, you did great. No, it's okay. I know like recording sessions with Connor, he probably gets annoyed with me because I'm like, let me do 17 more tries at that. (laughs) So it's good for him to like be able to call me on that and just be like, that was good. Like, I'm good. Stop. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's good that you have that person that that can do that. You know? Yeah. And I think with the cabin sessions too, like even I don't think about you, which was like the first song we recorded, I wasn't super thrilled with my bass part specifically because as the music director, I'm so focused on the group and, and pulling everything together that sometimes I am listening to them more than I'm listening to myself, which is not good. Uh, and I've gotten better. I've gotten better. <laughs> but even so, once I heard the whole group together, I, I was okay that there were three spots that were like, meh. And same thing with Get Well Soon. The best take we did was the last one because I remember I said this before we sang it. I said, all right, guys, imagine that we're just singing this in front of a, an audience and that you know that kitchen over there is a, a whole space of people they are gonna love us regardless of if you miss one note or if your vowel is too bright here or whatever and when we finished we were all like okay I think that was it and you know there were a couple people I was like ah, I can fix that flat note or whatever whatever but it was the vibe the vibe was great on that last time because it just felt like we were jiving as a performance we weren't so stuck on the specifics and being super accurate you know yeah what what I've kind of come to find out unless you're like performing at like the Apollo or America's Got Talent or something <laughs> audiences are generally forgiving you know yes. as long as they're feeling what you guys are like producing at the end of the day so you're talking totally. about vibe and, and like I said with get well soon that vibe was just there it's so easy not, I'm like not that there were any errors that I noticed at all but like it's so <laughs> easy to just connect with something that you just know that the group is just having a great yeah I think it's also like speaking as a theater person who's done live crap for years where things always go wrong so there's an off-broadway show that I've been in for about five years it's a very fast-paced it's barbershop harmonies it is fast-paced comedy lots of moving pieces kind of thing. The prop list for one of the shows that I do with this company is literally eight pages long. It's insane. The number of things you're juggling and throwing around. So you can imagine like stuff goes wrong. <laughs> stuff, can, stuff can go very wrong. One prop falls and breaks and you're like, uh. And it's, it's very much just as a performer, you have to remember to stay engaged with the thing that you're doing. The thing that goes wrong is something that's so easy to get hung up on. But the minute you continue to have fun, the audience stays on your side. Like this, mm-hmm. I've seen it through that show so many times. Like something will go terribly. We, it's a, it's a drinking show too. So we'll like serve drinks and you'll spill an entire tray of drinks. And you're like, oh God, I was supposed to give those to the audience members. They're all terribly angry. And I just clearly shattered glass everywhere. But if you make a joke, they're on it. They're on your side still. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the thing that happened. It's live. There's a lot of forgiveness in people if you are continuing to have fun and like just presenting yourself. The most important thing about a performer is is staying true to yourself. And I'm just curious, are you allowed to tell us what the name of that show is? (laughs) Sure, yeah. I'm like generally curious. Uh, It's called The Imbible. So it's like the original show was sort of a, the history 
history of alcohol and how it was discovered and the way it's evolved through the years okay. and our engagement with it. Wow. And we threw barbershop songs in the middle of it and weird character comedy bits. So that's that's a thing. Okay, I've done it for I five know. years, so I guess it was something. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I want to pivot a little bit. We've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I kind of want to just really get in there. So we've talked a little bit about your experiences with The Open. Can you talk to us some more about your experience with this year's The Open? So as a group that has had plenty of experience with music and video production prior to the changing format, was it a challenge to express yourselves artistically while still being aware of the competition element? I think the hardest part about the process was song choice because of what you just said there's this it's a whole new year it's all virtual we have had experience making music videos or box videos or whatever you want to call them but you know how do you capture the essence of a 12 minute set and portray the sound of your group in four minutes it comes down to that song choice at least that's what we thought and so picking the song for the open our song was minefields which is a newer song by fozia john legend and we actually picked a remix version of it so it had like kind of a dance feel to it yeah that it took a long time to pick that song and and we actually were cutting it close we probably picked that i want to say early february yeah we definitely just sat around for two months and didn't actually solidify song choice <laughs> yeah it was it was uh dicey and we i think we picked it beginning of february and then it was since we only had a semi-final it wasn't like an icca quarterfinal or anything i don't think our video was due until the last monday of march but still that you know that was only about less than two months and february is a short month to not only record everything professionally with me but then i had to edit it drum edit it mix it learn how to master it because i've never mastered before I always send it to Dio. And then video conceptualization was a lot of Stephanie. She's very visual. She's our like, graphic designer. I would describe her um, as like aesthetic. Yeah. She's very aesthetically focused. Okay. Yeah. And I think, Andrea, I think you can probably tell a little bit about that too. Yeah. I mean, well, she and I kind of like coordinated in the sense of she came in with the full idea, like shot list. She kind of knew what she wanted, that sort of thing. So then as the other person who sort of had experience with like films, that sort of thing through, I kind of was like, I've also been a stage manager, which if you know, in theater is a okay. very organizational type of job. So I was like, great, mm -hmm. I'm going to be the springboard for the creative ideas that she has so that then we can narrow it down and organize timing of shots for the weekend. Because we knew we had literally a Saturday and Sunday in this location to shoot all of it. So it was very much like Stephanie would give me the storyline for each person as they went through and the kind of lighting she was looking for. And then it was a lot of like, great, this is the time frame we're doing this person. This is when we're doing this. So there was that kind of thing. And then we would generally just like have a group of, I don't think there were less than like four of us walking around for most of the shots just to keep things in line, make sure lighting was right because we're playing with the sun. So that's, you have no control over that. So there was just right, a lot right. of very quick. And so you need organization if everything's happening that fast. And I think it was like Connor said, that was a big part of why the retreat was coming together creatively that we hadn't felt before that because we all like came into getting this together and making sure we executed it. Yeah. Which again, makes me that much more impressed with Black to Gold because you all advanced to finals, correct? Yes. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, go ahead. 
I was just going to add real quick too, I and mean, this is a very small point, but we also did not think about snow. Down in the city, we got snow, but it like goes away a lot quicker in the New York City area than it does upstate. So when we got up there, there was still snow. I only had tennis shoes. Like I forgot my boots. I filmed everything on my iPhone with a Steadicam, and the only time I didn't film was when I was singing. So I there's a couple funny videos of all of us, you know, eating, you know, eating shit, um, <laughs> fall, falling down, falling down, We're falling down, it, yeah. sinking yeah. deeply into a snow patch that we didn't know was that oh deep. And so it's like oh. we're trying amazing. to do this like dramatic song and like emote for a video and then we just suddenly like our head falls out of frame <laughs> yeah it, it was it was a fun challenge though i mean it was cold at times but it was yeah it was super fun. so so the blooper reel must be fire oh it's man. there's bloopers <laughs> yeah definitely i i will be looking forward to seeing that when it comes out it might actually be i think we may have posted a short blooper reel on our Ooh. instagram but only on our instagram yeah you'll have to scroll uh, back it's like a hidden oh, it was like a week or two ago okay. well we will we will talk about your instagram later given that black to gold competed in the live open back in 2019 and maybe this question is more specific for connor do you have a preference between the live format and the virtual one i mean i think they both have their pros and cons the virtual form you can be a lot more creative because not only do you have the singing and the choreography and stuff but you also have camera angles and transitions and you can have more than you know you can have different grids moving around lighting stuff like that that being said the regular open is more raw and it definitely highlights group talent a lot more because you don't have intonation you don't have mixing to blend like you know a lot of mixing is blending and using volume control in a live setting you don't have that you got to do it yourself obviously the virtual format they judge you on intonation which is one thing that i thought was very interesting i actually judged a region of the the great like the great legs quarterfinals i judged them and okay. you know intonation is a very interesting category because you think that if a group has the access to tune that they can get a high score but even at finals uh, a judge gave us a seven out of ten on intonation which another judge that is a prominent mixing engineer gave us a 10 out of 10 so you're going to run into judge discrepancies in any case live or virtual but this year was like it was so different it was hard to figure out what you needed to do to be successful it's, yeah it's crazy to hear that there, it's still that subjective even when we're talking about the video aspect of a competition because i've seen the score sheets at regular icca event and you know man they get down into the details with that kind of stuff so i'm yeah. like man if you're, you're messing around with videos now i, I think you know, it almost evens the playing field unless we're talking about how creative a group got or, you know, post-production right. type thing. Right. Like and that. it was also so interesting because like sometimes I saw a group, I don't remember the group, but the video, there was no faces of people singing. There was no group footage. It was like a lyric video that looked like they mm. painted a bunch of murals around the city of Detroit. And it was so cool. I feel like that's a video that is so creative and is like so artistic, but I don't think it moved on or anything because... You know what I mean? So yeah, you run into that, yeah. that situation. I mean, I think yeah, you get stuck I, a little. Yeah. It's hard to compare the two because it's like you've been doing the live version for so long that the judging can be a little more concrete just in the sense of it's been happening. So like you refine that year to year and the people who have judged before maybe have spoken to each other about how they do it. So criteria gets a little bit more universal in that sense versus like this was the first time that they had ever looked at digital. So just in terms of like putting out the rubric, it's all experimental in a way. 
you know? Yeah, and I was thinking about that now that you mentioned that. I'm just curious if they, you know, looking ahead at the future of whatever the the Open and ICCA and all that other stuff, if they find a way to incorporate the video aspect, you know, how much they lean on tradition, having that they've done so many live performances, you know what to look for in groups. And as Connor, you were mentioning the group that did the murals and stuff, it sounds so innovative and so crazy and so so crazy cool. But I'm just like, are they still wanting that group? You know, how much of the group that they want involved in that by the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. And everybody kind of took it. The groups took it upon themselves to also, like, think about what the guidelines were. So some groups did their whole videos without masks in the same room. Some groups did all box video from their own dorm rooms or whatever. A few groups all sang in the same room. Like, they actually did a live recording, which was very different. I honestly didn't expect to see that in a year like this. So it was just kind of like the rules weren't as straightforward because it was such a new thing yeah i will say performing live at the open since that was our first performance as a group nerves were high and that made it so much harder to do well that year whereas this year i could just sit here in my office with my mic and just tell them hey sing that again hey that was awesome you know um so with the live aspect of, you know, groups are now kind of getting back to performing live and you guys did the cabin sessions now, does that help at all in terms of comfortability with getting back to doing live gigs and things like that? Are you guys looking forward to doing those live events? Yeah, we definitely. So I, <laughs> having been in a, an acapella group in, in New York City for a bit now, I'm very connected with like the various bars around the city where like, you know, the live oh, venues nice. for music and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So I've sort of stepped into the mantle of like coordinating gigs for the group as we enter a post-vaccine world at least so there's some kind of safety for it we did definitely do a, a just a little casual music festival out on long island that was our first kind of official live performance as our current iteration and 100 percent jitters like left and right it was this weird thing of we felt like we had come so far as a group but covid really stunted growth in one particular section oh we've never had to think about like great i can't just like close my eyes and jam to the music there's an audience watching me you know like how do yeah. we enter what do we do with something goes wrong all of those little things are stuff yeah. that like you know you can think about it beforehand like if i sing a wrong note i'm just gonna keep mm -hmm. going but then when it happens for the first time in the moment maybe you panic who knows you're like oh crap. yeah it's definitely yeah. the idea is like let's you know eventually we'd like to get a booking manager and start getting like real gigs paid stuff get out there a lot but we're also sort of in this spot of like let's do just a couple of casual like new york bar gigs you know we can make some money from them but they're relatively low-key and probably some like friends and family kind of things right don't overload exactly. it quite yet probably a little more forgiving definitely <laughs> so something that i've been discussing with friends and whether it be the few that i've hung out with in person since everything has happened is like it's an adjustment to kind of like re-socialize yourself after everything that's happened with the pandemic the things that you're bringing up it sounds like that same aspect is that play for musicians kind of getting back to the live thing you're having to reacclimate yourself to like oh my goodness this is what performing in front of a group of people yeah. you know used to be like yeah. so i'm curious connor you, you have any similar sentiments in terms of the, the live performance yeah i mean it definitely has been that oyster bay show we did out on long island a couple of weeks ago it was an adjustment like for me i counted off one of the songs completely wrong and it's an arrangement <laughs> of course it's an arrangement of mine but there's a pickup there's a pickup this was the first song we have ever sung live to an audience <laughs> oh, since, boy, since the, the open it was the first song and it, side note the planning for this first concert was terrible we were all kind of in a piss poor mood so anyway <laughs> we get up there to sing this jazzy arrangement of wheels on the bus and i just counted off completely wrong and they started on a note that i didn't start on i don't 
He did it very confidently, though. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, thank you, Andrew. That's the most important thing. Hey, thank if you. If you're going to mess up, make it yep. big. But the second concert of the night or of the day was in a church, no microphones. And that was the first time I've ever felt extremely locked to Black to Gold. And it was like so moving. And the audience, you know, this this is a concert of classical musicians. You have a Davis C piano, sonatas. You have a string trio of like brothers that are all just amazing. And we get up there and we sing like, wrecking ball by Miles Cyrus. <laughs> but our wrecking ball is it's a little bit choral in spots and like okay. it sounded yeah. so good that it's the intro and the bridges spe- specifically I feel like it really spoke to the audience and, and that's exactly what we want to do so yeah it's been a little bit of adjustment but I think it's also with like having yeah. operated at such what we perceive as a high level and like getting to the finals of the open in a digital form is then there's like that extra pressure mm-hmm. of like now we're live we better live up to that <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. I I was going to say, there's no pressure like forming for other musicians. Still to this day, I can remember vividly a performance I did with my college acapella group. And we were performing inside the music building where all of like the music performance students and all the music majors (laughs) were like on lunch break. And they were there and I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm out at that point. (laughs) Of course it was during that time. I went to school for music and I I know exactly what you're talking about. Because I was a percussionist in the music school, but then I was also a big acapella nerd and those two worlds mm. never meshed like much at all you know yeah there is so much more we could talk about and there's actually there's a couple things that we really wanted to talk about today that we did not get to touch on but unfortunately we need to take our second and final commercial break but don't go anywhere because we will be right back with connor and andrew for some fun here on Tacapella. you can get vocal perspective anywhere but what about vocal perspective? catch the talk show from the female point of view bringing you the talented women of acapella. Hear these women's journeys and what amazing things they're up to now, both in front of and behind the mic. Vocal Perspective airs Tuesdays at 9 p.m. East, 6 p.m. West, and Sundays at 10.30 p.m. East, 7.30 p.m. West. In Asia, it's on Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Tokyo time, and in Europe, it's Saturdays at 6.30 p.m. London time. Thanks for sticking with us. We are back for our final segment of the night on Tacapella with Connor and Andrew from Black to Gold. And per tradition, we will start this final segment with a round of 10 rapid fire questions so connor and andrew are you ready uh, is it like a, a one at a time type of thing or is it we both say it the exact same time is it oh. is this jeopardy it, it, do it i have to either. answer it in the form either. of a question no. <laughs> yeah, yes no, that's no, no, required no. what is no. No. brian's a liar <laughs> no all right well brian are you ready oh i'm so ready all right i'll start us off with an easy one what's your favorite book oh i don't know if that's easy oh. <laughs> yeah I'm a, I'm a very big reader i'm gonna be honest it's yeah i'm gonna say oh okay the broken earth trilogy by nk jemison it is a like fantasy sci-fi she's a fresh author who has won several awards for like a lot of her books coming up she's amazing i highly recommend it's like no fantasy i've ever read it's like very and it's called what uh, it's the broken earth trilogy the first one is called the fifth season if you want to start with the first of the three books it's like inclusive diverse fantasy it's amazing it's wonderful i'm a big dan brown fan so like the angels and demons lost symbol da vinci code those books i think angels and demons is probably my favorite they're just like i can't put them down honestly nice all right next question if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life spaghetti meatballs oh Oh, god oh this hurts that's a good one with freshly made chocolate chip cookies as my dessert whoa oh we get to pick a dessert too wow all right i mean the question is meal so that counts i think that works yeah yeah 
like I would probably go with pho. I just love, I, it's, oh, okay. it's one of my favorite. Okay. If it's well-made, like, let's be clear. I went to Vietnam. Yeah, I've had homemade point. pho. I'm very particular now. Nothing can live up now. What is that? Pho. It's like the noodle it's soup like, from it's Vietnam. Like, it's like, question number three, cats or dogs? Both, honestly. Cats. Okay. <laughs> number one, like, I, I will probably get a dog first, but we have a group okay. cat, so both. I wish that you could show this on your podcast, but this is my cat. Oh, oh boy. He comes, name he is comes and sits cat. in the room while that we sing cool in rehearsals. He, like, listens to us. Oh, yeah, he just sits next to us while we sing. So I, I'm a, I love all the cats. Yay. I, I just want fuzzy animals. I, I just love fuzzy animals. I don't care. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably have a dog someday, too, but cats are we, my preferred. We will also have a dog someday, but right now we got the cats. <laughs> all right, next question. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Earlier on in my childhood, I wanted to be like a fighter pilot but then in like th- cool. but in third grade i wanted to be like a rock star like a musician and that's why okay. I'm, I'm a big drummer i was in a metal band for years so wow yeah that's awesome yeah when i was really little i i was very obsessed with marine biology and then realized that i was afraid of half the creatures in the ocean <laughs> so i think it was around third or fourth grade that i very specifically switch and this is weird i think for a kid but i pivoted into author and i've wanted to be one ever since oh wow oh, cool. that's quite that's the change very cool Question number five, what's currently your favorite song to perform? I'm going to say Heavy, our cover of Heavy by Bird Talker. It's a short and sweet, kind of like almost a transition song between stuff. It's like one of our shorter pieces, but I just love the arrangement and it sounds gorgeous every time. Yeah, I'll probably say Wrecking Ball, which is our one of our newer ones. I mentioned it already because like, I feel like from an arranging perspective, I just kind of slept on it for a long time. And then I was like, wait, this could be really good for us. And now I'm really into it. That's awesome. Nice. All right. Next question. Who would you want to play you in a movie about your life? Okay. I have to, I have to clarify this question. Who would you want to play you? Not who would actually end up playing you, but who would you want to play you? If he has a beard, Chris Evans, I <laughs> okay. love that okay. man. So I'm, but it's just because I want to feel as attractive as Chris. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> good Lord. <laughs> In all honesty, though, I would probably end up going with Neil Patrick Harris. I feel like it's a good fit for me in a lot of ways. He's fantastic. I can see both of those people playing both of you. This is like crazy. I love it. Let's make it happen. Okay. Question number seven. What's your weirdest hobby? I grew up with my dad doing bird watching, so I have an insane amount of knowledge about birds right now. All right. Oh, man. The weirdest hobby? I don't know. Or I guess unique. Don't you love underwater basket weaving? No, I actually don't. I'm still stuck in like 15 years ago. I love playing like Wii Sports. I still do it like very frequently and almost always it's a weeknight after like three margaritas. So... Oh my gosh. Yeah. Which is the best it's way not, to play it. It's only weird because I'm like 25 and, you know, I played that when I was 10. But either way. Why is it weird? I still I play video the... games. Why does that have to be weird? Leave me alone. <laughs> it's because it's we. It's because it's we golf, dude. That's why. Okay, I have to ask a question that's not related to anything. So Connor's 25. Andrew, how old I'm are you? I'm 31. I fully entered COVID okay. in my 20s. Okay. Exited not 30, but in my 30s. Okay. This has been a time. Okay, okay. I was going to say we don't talk about age on the show for a very good reason, but you're close. Yeah. I wasn't saying that I'm old at 25. I'm just saying the Wii Sports specifically. <laughs> right. He wasn't yeah. saying he's okay. old, but he was saying I'm ancient. So get out no, of here. Brian, you and I are the same age. Yeah, I'm 31. I'm 32. We're all so killing it. Okay. Oh, yeah. wow. We're, we're up there. <laughs> Go on. All right. Next question. If you were an animal, which one would you be and why? We're not really rapid firing these, are we? No one ever really does. <laughs> Do you have one on, on cue here? Because I'm still thinking. Yeah, I feel like I would have said otter for so many years because I just think otters are very cute. They're so adorable and they're so fuzzy. But 
but I secretly think I'm going to go with platypus because I just want to be that weird. I just want to be a mistake. <laughs> Fun fact, I don't think platypuses have stomachs. I think you're right. I've read something about I have a random okay. fact. I have a random fact calendar, and that was one of the facts this year. Wow. So. Wow. Does it just go um, straight I, into go the figure. intestines? Like, they're just like, we're not even going to dissolve I'm the food. I'm guessing that's it. Yeah, just get it <laughs> get over with, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I would probably be a big cat, so like a lion or a, a cheetah of some sort, because, I don't know, because if you've ever seen those cute videos of, like, lions that are in love with their caretakers, mm-hmm. they're just cats mm-hmm. that are huge, and they also happen to be crazy, and they can kill things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, extremely terrifying. Which is true of yeah. honor, too. That's the first. I've never I heard I haven't that. either, but I love it. I've heard it as a song title, actually, but never as a, I never as a conversation. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I need to figure out this community of murder men content here what the heck i i don't even know just go to reddit reddit r slash murder mittens you'll find all of it (laughs) it's amazing all right nine what three things do you think about most on any given day? What I'm gonna eat for dinner, 100%. Probably video games. It's like one of my biggest hobbies, especially okay. like the past year and a half, I was working in a Broadway theater. I've been unemployed. That's all I do. And then I would say, honestly, I would say it's cheesy music. I think mine is like music slash black to gold because I mean, for black to gold specifically, there's just so much to be done. Right now we are doing so many things. So I, every day I'm talking to someone about something uh, or thinking about it or what, what I'm gonna be arranging next. Number two would probably not specifically dinner, but just like what I'm going to be eating next at all times. Just because what I'm going to be eating, just because, why I'm not eating right now. Because like during the, you know, I put on some some of that that COVID fifteen weight. Oh, you know, oh, oh, sorry, it's very nice. true. And then well, I don't know what the third one would be. I mean, this this might sound very cheesy, but I feel like my so Courtney Lee Cox, the soprano, is also my significant other. It was of like you better years. you better oh, say this very specifically, okay. or you're gonna be in hot water. So yeah, I feel like definitely shout out to Courtney. Yeah, this is her makeup setup, right? We have we have we share this office. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I feel like I'm always thinking about her or Leo in some way. So I know. All right, Brian. This is so interesting. I'm like now we have to transition from that and all of its cuteness I know, to, to, to this our last weirdness. Ridiculous Question. Question the, number 10 is always the most out there. Yeah, it's been okay. co- it's like become a tradition to just like for Alicia or I to think of the most out there question. Yes. And today I get an option of four questions. I so gave I'm, him options because he refused to ask the final question on the last episode. It got way uh, too weird. It got it way too It was so funny though. Um, <laughs> all right. So final question for you two. I'm going to go with this one. Would you rather be born with an elephant trunk or a giraffe neck? Elephant trunk. It's so much more useful. I can do so many things with it. It's fantastic. The giraffe neck, then I'm just like way too tall. Everything's awkward. Nobody knows why it's going on. I mean, I guess nobody knows why I have an elephant trunk either, but <laughs> but at least then I can be like, well, look, I'm going to get the cereal off the top shelf. Now you're not going to ask why I have an elephant trunk. It's useful. Yeah, well, but like the thing is, is with a giraffe, I would say the giraffe's neck because, you know, you said you would, Andrew, did you just say you would use the trunk to get cereal off the shelf? Did you just say that? Yeah, but are you going to get it with your mouth? On the top shelf? Yes, they, they, of course. Or just like and then, knock it off with your head, just like. And then once I knock it off, I can use my hands because it's not like I'm going to turn into a giraffe. I just have a giraffe. Who's to say though? Giraffe mm-hmm. neck could That's just true. lead to full okay. giraffe. And I'm sure, I'm sure. You're with, on your way. <laughs> this is so great. I'm sure with giraffe necks, like you might have.
have some issues like getting into the subway, like knocking just your head, whatever. But just gotta turn it. You know, like people that are six Plus, foot nine have that issue. Elephant so. trunk, they won't even know. We've been wearing masks for the past year and a half. It's hidden. Oh, oh yeah, right, because it's that small. <laughs> it's obviously uh, retractable. Okay. It's like an accordion. Yeah, fully. <laughs> wow. Okay. What a great so question. People are more forgiving of an elephant trunk than a giraffe. All right, that's interesting. I guess. I mean, I'd still do a giraffe neck, but here we are. <laughs> no judgments here. So hey, that works. I love where that went because I thought that was the uh, least outrageous of your options. No, uh, I just no that that was yeah. Like I said, some of these I can only think about asking out loud. Yeah, that was great. That was wonderful. I loved it. Thank you for that round of rapid fire questions. Of As course. always, man, we learn just a little bit more about our guests, and it's always fun. We always wrap up the show by asking our guests to offer our listeners some advice, something that they can take away from the show, in addition to all the amazing things we discussed tonight. So we pose that question to both you, Andrew, and Connor. If you could offer our listeners some advice, what would you say? You said earlier that like it could be for like music or life or like whatever. And so I'm going to kind of hit like just three little quick snippets of advice. One is for life, one is for music, one is for both. So when it comes to music, when it comes to acapella music, this is kind of specifically for post-collegiate groups. I'm going to say that anybody who's done college acapella, forget a lot of what you did there. Post-collegiate groups in adult life operate so differently. This is not saying forget the joy and the passion for the music and the friends and the memories. Like, keep those. But there's so much of, like, the way an adult acapella group needs to operate in order to function successfully in a world where your members have jobs and your members have crazy schedules. It's not as simple as you're all on the same campus Campus, so stuff can be like disorganized and you can just fall into the same room. So let go of the things you're holding on to from college acapella if you really want to make a post-collegiate thing succeed. So that's my music advice. Life is just simply go to therapy. It's been a rough year for everybody. <laughs> Get a therapist. Like seriously, it's going to be the best thing you could ever do is just have someone to bounce that off of. And then my one that sort of can apply to everything is don't ever underestimate what your impact can be. I tell this story from the concert choir that I sang with in college. We did international tours and we would sometimes do domestic tours within the States. And one of our domestic tours, we ended up going up to Buffalo New York. And of course, we get there, we have a concert plan that night, 8pm at a beautiful church, and a blizzard shows up. We get into town and it's full blizzard. So you have this college choir of like 50 kids, very excited for this concert. And then we literally had three people show up in the church and the group was so discouraged. And there was just kind of this like feeling backstage of like, why are we even doing this? Like, blah, 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 blah. But we went out, we did the concert, you know, the conductor gave like a pep talk and we went and did it. A week later, we get back, we finish the tour. He gets an email from one of those three people. And that person said that they had been contemplating taking their own life that night. And the music that we shared with them is the reason that they chose not to. So never underestimate the impact you can have on even one person. Never. Wow. Wow. Well said. That was so beautiful, Andrew. <laughs> How am I supposed to follow that? <laughs> So in the acapella world with college groups, and, and I am somebody that kind of fell into the pattern as well, you know, a lot of it's very intense. A lot of the performing and arranging is very fierce and almost, I mean, Aka angst or like angstiness has kind of been around in collegiate stuff for years. And more and more recently, I've been very inspired by groups that are just moving away from things that have that they've learned or seen before them and i think going forward a lot of more groups whether it's post-collegiate even ichsa and icca groups you can learn a lot from the successful groups but more oftentimes than not like when groups try to be those you know they, they try to 
replicate what another group has done, it almost always is not as good. And that's not to say there have been good instances of that. There just needs to be more groups willing to break away from the mold. That's one of the great things about music and acapella specifically is like learning from the greats and absorbing all this info, but then taking it and running with it and not being afraid to do a song that's been sung a lot and make it your own and and like even with our version of levels that's a song that's been done by so many groups and yet we just wanted to do it and have fun with it and make it our own and that's exactly what we did so i think there can be more of that overall and then yeah i mean i feel like for me in life advice is like i this is just advice more for myself but taking (laughs) that i can give to other people taking care of yourself mentally and physically is super important even within covid and now that it's some things are getting back to normal continue to stay healthy but like for me going on long walks and just exercising sometimes even for a half hour in the middle of the day just like resets me and it's a great it sometimes can help with arranging blocks if i have a block in in my brain with composing or whatever sometimes just exercising helps me with that yeah that's like i guess what i would say awesome great advice thank you both so much for that if our listeners wanted to learn more about black to gold hear about any upcoming projects anything that's going on in your life's work that they go we have a youtube channel which you just you know type in black to gold acapella on youtube yeah very specifically uh, have... make sure to include acapella the youtube algorithm algorithm has not like figured us out yet yeah exactly <laughs> we, we need more views and more subscribers so if y'all wanted to help us out with that please do we also are on instagram at black to gold music on facebook you know slash black to gold music and then we're on tiktok at b2g music but we're we're still getting more content for that. We recently launched a GoFundMe for a myriad of projects, one of which was the Cabin Sessions, which which we talked about. We were able to work with Angela Ugolini of RM Productions on that because we got funding through our GoFundMe. So we're trying to get our debut album out or recorded this year with the help of donors and stuff like that. And you get perks and everything. So you can always look that up on our social media pages. And then just like keep an eye out because like I said, we're going to have some live shows hopefully in the fall. So so if you're in New York, you could see us maybe. Or if you're not in New York and you want to fly you can literally here to fly see in us. For one day only. <laughs> Man, we might have to make a trip out there for sure. Yeah. Wow. Totally. And, and we also want to mention because, man, we didn't really get to go in depth with it, but your latest single, Mind Felt, is out. It's incredible. We briefly mentioned it throughout the show, but go give that a watch, a listen. It's You guys did a spectacular job with all of that. And Thank it's you. Great. Mind Feels, we really... Uh, we went into the open, we're like, okay, do we want to take a risk or do we want to just go a, a simple route? And we took a risk, especially from a production standpoint. It's very electronic, manipulating the voices and stuff. And Cabin Sessions is actually on Spotify as well as like a live EP too. We just put that out a couple weeks ago. So you can listen to that on Spotify as well. Sounds great. We'll be sure to check that out. Listeners do the same. Alicia, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you, learn more about your work. You can find me on Instagram at e.squared1989. How about you, Brian? As always, you can find me on Twitter at the Brian Alex, Brian with an I. Be sure to follow Talkapella on Twitter at Talkapella, two Ps, two Ls, and check out our website, talkapella.org. And as always, we got to give a shout out to Akabil Radio. They are the wonderful, amazing platform 
through which the show streams through and we can't thank them enough. We want to thank our guests today, both Andrew and Connor from Black to Gold for joining us for today's episode. You guys, it has been a blast speaking with you, learning about you, and more importantly, just laughing with you. It's been great today. Well, thank you so much for, thank you for having thank us. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thank you. Oh, of course. We got to get the part two, you know, on, on the calendar here. Maybe we can sure. find some new oh. friends to bring next time. We love that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll bring more of the troop next time. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. That's going to wrap it up for today's episode of Talk Appella. For everything else, stay tuned.